Everybody and welcome to another episode of the list. As always, my name is Brett. On the other end of the tin can and string is Jordan. As always, Jordan, how you doing today? Uh, Jordan is doing well. I'm excited to have some fun uh, this Wednesday night. All right, and as always, Zach Jackson is doing the producing for us. Our producer extraordinaire. As always, we will get into our picks. But first, Jordan and I are going to have a little fun. We have a special guest today. As everybody knows, we are starting to have interaction with people on Twitter and growing our audience. And in the last week, unfortunately, one of our Dolphins players has gotten a brunt of the hate from fan- the fandom. One, Mr. Liam Eichenberg. And our guest is someone who has been defending Liam pretty strongly. And I do admire that in a fan the last week or so. But Jordan, we are going to get to the bottom of this and see if this is someone who is a burner account or if just a fan doing his his part to prop a player up. Yeah, so uh, let's get right into this. Um, Larry, Liam, um, whoever you are, first off, um, welcome to the list and thank you for joining us, man. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, definitely Larry. Okay, we'll go with that for now. Um, so for those that aren't on uh, Dolphins Twitter, um, this all started on October 6th um, when John Christo on Twitter, who's at White Pepper GDF, um, tweeted this account um, that was Larry Wiles at Larry Wiles 35, um, saying that it was, um, in fact, the burner account of Dolphins um, offensive lineman Liam Eichenberg. Um, since then, and a couple days before that, uh, it looks like it goes back to about right after the Buffalo game. Um, a lot of your tweets, Larry, uh, have been in support of Liam Eichenberg. I mean, it looks like you're pretty new to Twitter. Uh, so where uh, did the motivation come from to defend Liam? You know, it's you see a guy who's out there putting his work. You know, this is a guy who's still young, what, 23, 24 years old. Ah, like, nice one. You don't know how old you are. Nice. Keep going. I just think fans are being too harsh. Like, this guy has a life outside of football that he wants to, you know, he's going out there. He's putting in work. Like, uh, so maybe what, he doesn't have the greatest of plays, but every single day, you know, he's putting in work, trying his best, and he does make good plays. I, it's not like you can look at the film and say every single play is awful. I just think um, he's getting an unfair brunt of the force. Fair. That's very fair. Um, so you mentioned off the field he has a life. Um, can you tell me, do you know anything about Liam's life outside of football? I do not. Okay. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you enjoy to do out, outside of football, hypothetically? Uh, I go to the gym a lot. I okay. love playing Rocket League. It's a disc golf in there every now and then. I'm a big fan of the Dolphins. I've been watching them for years. Being what six six three oh five, I'm sure you do go to the gym a lot. Um, uh, where are you? Two twenty. Okay, are you from Miami? Or are you from down here? So I'm from New York, but right now I live in Illinois. Okay, very nice. Um, so if you're not Liam Eichenberg, um, honestly, I mean nobody's listening to this. Um, are you friends with Liam? Have you met Liam? Do you know Liam? I've never met Liam in my life. Okay. Um, so why? I'm just trying to understand the motivation for the majority of your tweets. I mean, it seems like you're more of a Liam Eichenberg fan than just necessarily a Dolphins fan. I mean, I definitely defend any player. Uh, Chase Claypool, people are saying he sucks. I think with the Dolphins offense, he'll be able to produce, come back to his, you know, rookie year form. I um, see Austin they- Jackson finally getting the praise that he deserves too for putting in the work. It's just good okay. stuff to see. Um, did you have a problem with the Dolphins getting rid of Dan Feeney? I don't really have a problem with it per se. Like, it sucks to see, you know, a guy who put in work leaving, but you know, he's in a new opportunity for himself and you know, 
do you think it was good that it kind of opened up uh, opportunity for Liam? I wouldn't necessarily say it opened up opportunities for Liam. From what I've heard in camp, Liam was outplaying Dan Feeney, which is why they traded Dan Feeney instead of Liam. Right. But that's just what I've heard. Did you hear if they had possible like trade offers for Liam? Did anybody want Liam? Was there interest out there? From what I know, no, but I'm just a fan. I, okay. I'm not in that front office. So I know you don't live down here. You live in Illinois. You're from New York. Um, did you go to any days of Dolphin training camp? Or were you just like reading the reports on Twitter like the rest of us? Oh, I went to a few. I have family that lives down in Miami. Still able to go right. to a few of them. And I saw he was making some pretty damn good plays. Um, so I'm not aware of this. I kind of just saw one tweet about it. What was this connection? Do you know anything about the connection between um, you, Liam Eikenberg, and Nancy Pelosi? I don't know any connection. I mean, I know, obviously, me and this uh, Pomposi account have been in support of Liam. So I think that's the only connection that people are making. Are you the owner of the Pomposi account? I am not. Okay, I have I have a couple Twitter, so I mean, a lot of people have multiple Twitters, and so both were really in support of Liam. So I just had to check. Um, are you a Notre Dame fan too? Like, does your support of Liam Eikenberg um, stem back to Notre Dame, or is that something that's kind of uh, new for you? Oh uh, no, I mean, I don't really watch college football. I've always just been a Dolphins fan. What's your opinion on uh, Notre Dame not being in a conference in college football? I didn't even know if they weren't in a conference. I don't really care. So now that you know and now that you're aware of it, how do you feel about it? Okay. But I don't watch college football. Yeah, but don't you think that every team, like in the NFL, wouldn't it be weird if, like, let's say the Cincinnati Bengals just weren't in a conference? If everybody else had conferences, but, like, the Cincinnati Bengals just kind of played who they wanted but still got to make the playoffs at times and then get blown out? Yeah, that would be pretty weird. I don't know why they would do that with college, but I guess with so many teams, and eh, just I don't get that. So I appreciate this. I mean, it's fun seeing um, the interaction that you get on Twitter. Um, there have been a lot of posts here. I mean, I, I counted 15, 16, 17 in a row um, where it was just constant support for Liam Eikenberg. Um, so, I mean, he does get a lot of hate, and it's very good to see um, that there's somebody out there supporting him. Um, we have a lot of people in our community and that watch our show um, that are serious Liam Eikenberg haters. Um, obviously, most of the Dolphins fan base uh, doesn't want Liam on the team anymore, um, wants him, them to get rid of him in the offseason, draft around him. Um, we're already talking later on this episode um, of possible draft prospects. And I mean, replacing an offensive lineman is definitely a possibility. But I want to take the other side of it. Um, first off, I, I really appreciate you coming on and like talking about this with us and having fun with this with us. Um, but I'm going to give you the floor here. You can go on for as long as you want. Um, just tell us why Liam Eikenberg. Make the case for him. Uh, you're not him, we know, um, but you're here defending him and you're on Twitter supporting him. Um, so tell us why Liam Eikenberg uh, deserves continued chance as a starting offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. You have the floor, Larry. I believe he deserves a chance because he's already played all five positions of the offensive line in the NFL. Finding that experience is kind of rare. I mean, we gave we give Jordan Love three years off, and now he can go play. And he still hasn't even been that great. Three picks in a game, that's not great to see on a quarterback. I think Liam just needs a bit more, you know, a bit more practice reps. You know, people keep bringing up the Buffalo game. He's going up against Daquan Jones, and this is his first time ever playing center outside of the Broncos game. I just think it's a little, you know, ridiculous to put so much pressure on a guy who just doesn't have that experience yet. We didn't get to see how he would be against the Giants, but from what I saw, the Giants weren't looking that great. I think Liam would have done pretty well. Just, I think more reps in, he'll be fine. It's only his third year, second year in the NFL. Just give him some time. He'll uh, he'll get into his own. I just think it's just a developmental thing and just working past some barriers. I also think having everyone against him on Twitter just doesn't help a player's like mental health. It's just something else that like kind of ticked me off about the whole situation because like people are calling him like a terrorist and a war criminal. It's he's just a player doing his best, making a living for him and his family. 
just kind of kind of sad to see how much uh, people care like about a player when he's he doesn't want to do bad. He wants to go out there and be the best version of himself. It's just it's kind of sad to see. Yeah, you are 100% right. Um I think that uh people tend to separate um kind of the fun that goes into sports and the fun we can have around sports um with somebody's um, well-being, life outside of football, and who they are as a person. I think there have been numerous times on Twitter, um, whether it's Bills fans posting pictures of Tua um, when he got his concussion, um, whether it's Bills fans suggesting that Dolphins fans um, were saying bad things about Matt Milano. Um, I know there were a couple tweets that we reposted um, when Dolphins fans were saying bad things about Bills players uh, that we don't condone that, and we um, want to have fun with it, but at the same time, like you said, these are real people. Um, and just because you want somebody off the team, um, with, with everything going on in the world right now, um, we should be nicer in the way we actually treat who they are as humans. Um, so Larry, I really appreciate you going out and support supporting Liam Eikenberg. Um, we're, it's clear now that you are not Liam, um, and that you're somebody that's just simply looking out for his well-being. Uh, Larry, I really appreciate you coming on with us. I thank you for having fun with this. Um, and I, I'm going to enjoy continuing to see you support Liam um, on Sundays. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. That was totally Liam Eichenberg. I'm convinced it's Tommy Eichenberg. It's, it, he definitely knows Liam Eichenberg. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You, you're saying that was Liam? Danny, I think he sounds shut way your too young to be here. recording the podcast. I have no idea. Danny, welcome to the list. <laughs> Hi, Danny. Danny, we love How you. How are you doing, guys? Uh, Good. I love you guys, too. You guys are doing great. Thank you. Um, so what do you yeah. think? Were you here for that? Do you, do you think it was Liam or somebody that knows him? I was only the only for about two minutes here at the end, but I don't think it was him. Um, he sounded like a it's little too young him. to be him. I don't think it's him. I don't think it's Hold him. Hold on, let me... He does kind of sound like Tommy Eichenberg. I'm not going to lie. That was definitely either Liam Eichenberg or somebody that knows Liam Eichenberg, Brett. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, no, I appreciate Larry coming on. And for any of our listeners who want to give him a follow, his Twitter handle is Larry Wiles 35 uh, which is L-A-R-R-Y-W-I-L-E-S-3-5. And um, I'm not going to say for sure this is who it was, but he does sound like a certain member of the Eichenberg family who's currently playing at Ohio State. Not saying. I mean, I'm just it, saying. It might be Tommy. Uh, I'm going to say it. Um, but it also could be somebody that knows them. Um, he was hiding some things he knows about Liam. Uh, he he wanted to tell us more about Liam the man, um, and I hope at a later date um, we can kind of unpack that and and talk to the the man behind the facade that is Larry Wiles. Yeah, and in fairness to him, when th one thing we can also look at for Liam is we didn't get a player out of Austin Jackson until year four, and that was after three or four position switches too. So never say never. Um, it would yeah, it would that be was, the craziest thing for this story. And this situation, if Liam Eikenberg goes on to be a really good football player. Yeah, but it wouldn't be a bad thing, especially since, as we'll probably talk about later in a different topic, he's one of two, two offensive linemen we have under contract for next year, right, at this current time. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if he's one of them still. Yeah. But either way, Larry, uh, it's okay. We know you're still sick. Um, yeah, blue season in Pennsylvania, man. It's that time of year. Um, but, I mean, either way, I appreciate Larry coming on um, and having some fun with it. So I'm excited to make some picks today. I'm um, excited to see if I can uh, – am I still in the lead? You are. Um, I believe I only won two games last week in college. Um, I went big, went for the Kentucky upset. That didn't go so well. I told you, you shouldn't have – I thought about it during the game too. It was a little weird that you went from picking heavy, heavy favorites to picking teams that were uh, serious underdogs. Yeah. It, well, you know, I had a feeling one of the big underdogs would get, would upset them and Maryland kept it close with Ohio state for three and a half quarters. And then the talent deficit 
showed. Uh, Kentucky was never close. I should have talked about Arizona USC. That was the one game I thought would be a blowout. Yeah, that uh, USC looks like that was a game that'll hopefully wake them up. Uh, but woof, did they uh, did they struggle a bit? Yeah. But anyway, on to picks this week. And uh, Jordan, I looked at this lineup this week, and it's it's a weird week of college football. I tried to pick games for us to look at that do have potential national implications. Uh, we're going to start out out west in the Pac-12, and we are going to look at Oregon traveling to Washington with uh, two quarterbacks who are guys we have talked about a lot, Bo Nix and Michael Penix, both potential first-round picks, both potential Heisman winners, two very good coaches in Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer. Uh, DeBoer's actually gotten a little love to get the Michigan job if and when Jim Harbaugh decides to leave. Hoping he doesn't leave, but I would not complain about Kalen DeBoer coming to Ann Arbor. Jordan, I'm sure you've watched a lot of these two teams, uh, probably a little more than I have. But I do like what I see from both of the candidates. They're just loaded with NFL talent. I'm going with the Huskies because it is a home game for them. I have them winning by seven. But this is probably the game I am most excited to to watch. And I'm not ashamed to say it. It's because both of them have very awesome uniforms. Yeah, this is going to be a good one for the eyes. Um, man, if your girlfriends are one of those or wives that like to watch uh, college football uniforms, this is the one um, that you're going to want to show them. Uh, I agree with you on the pick. Um, I, what it comes down to for me is when I see two teams that are so evenly matched um, and two teams that are so highly ranked and that play each other so well, um, I look at the two teams and I say, which defense uh, do I trust to stop the offense? And I think that both of these offenses are going to score a lot of points. Um, but I think down the stretch, I trust the Washington defense to stop the Oregon offense more than I trust the Oregon defense to score the, to stop the Washington offense. Uh, Washington historically plays well at home. Um, and I think that continues here. Uh, I think this is one of the biggest games in the, in the kind of this generation of Washington football. Um, and this is a game that can solidify them a chance uh, to potentially compete for a national championship. Uh, and I think they do that. I think Penix kind of gives himself that uh, Heisman signature moment um, that gives him that moment to possibly take it from Caleb Williams. Um, I think that Washington beats Oregon. I think they beat them by just under two scores. I'll say they win the game by 13. Yeah, and like said, this kid, this is going to be a moment for Penix, like you said, to definitely separate himself from the rest of the pack. I mean, he's he's playing catch-up to Caleb Williams, as we've been saying a lot, but this might bump him up to where he's a clear, it's going to be a clear two-horse race. Speaking of Caleb Williams, USC at Notre Dame, that Louisville game, man, last week, anything that could go wrong for Notre Dame did go wrong. Been talking about Murphy's Law a lot on this podcast this year so far. That was definitely Murphy's Law game for Notre Dame. Hartman is out of the Heisman race. Almost nothing can do to get back in it now, unfortunately. Notre Dame is out of the playoff race. At this point, this is a pride game for them. I'm actually picking Notre Dame, and it's because of the USC-Arizona game last week, which went into blow overtime. Or no, it only went into overtime. USC only won because Arizona couldn't get the two-point conversion. That game, they gave up 41 points to Arizona. And not even a good Arizona team. Yeah, mediocre team, but I'd even say that's a stretch. They may be bowl eligible. But Notre Dame, they have proven their defense can hang with anybody. Louisville was more of the anomaly. They shut down that high-powered Ohio State offense a couple weeks ago. They did a good job against Duke. And I believe this game is in South Bend, correct? Uh, this game is in South Bend, yes. Home field advantage is going to make all the difference. Uh, USC kind of got punched in the jaw last week. They responded well in-game, but I think that was a talent issue. They're going up against a team that is very well coached and by far the best defense they've gone up against. I think they get hit again, and I think it costs them this week. Notre Dame wins by three. Um, before I get into talking about this game, which I think is going to be a great game, um, you said the words bowl eligible, and I got a little triggered. Um, for a second, just because uh, my fi my favorite college football team, UCF, um, at the pace they're going, are probably not going to be bowl eligible. Um, I would like to just take a second to say that I hope that UCF fires Gus Malzahn. 
Um, I think I've seen enough of him. Uh, and I am starting the, I know it's been a little bit on Twitter, um, but I am starting the public movement to bring Scott Frost back to UCF. Uh, I think he shouldn't have left. I think it was a mistake for him to go to Nebraska. I think it was a mistake for UCF to let him go to Nebraska. Um, Scott Frost back to UCF, national champions. Uh, let's win it again. Uh, so anyways, back to USC Notre Dame. Um, I actually think you're completely wrong here. Um, I think that the last game woke USC up. Uh, I am a person uh, that has said since the beginning of the year that I think USC is going to be a playoff team, is going to be a team in the national championship game. I know everybody's saying they can't get a stop, um, but I think that that offense is so good that once we get to times of the playoff, I think their defense will be able to make enough stops. Uh, and I don't think there are many defenses in the country that are really going to be able to slow them down. Um, I think that, yes, Lincoln Riley has historically struggled with defenses, um, but he still has athletes on that defense. I mean, he still has players uh, that can make a play or two down the stretch. Um, I think USC is going to win this game. Uh, I think I, I think Notre Dame is going to make it close. I think you, uh, USC wins by six-ish. Um, but I think Caleb Williams is the best player on the field. Um, and until somebody is able to actually beat him, not cover against him, not make the game close against him, it's what Mahomes does too. Unless you can beat him, I'm going to pick USC and the best quarterback every time. Yep. No, that's a good choice. That's a good one. And it pains me to pick Notre Dame because I always say they're one of the most overrated teams every year. They usually proves that usually proves to be correct. Just that home cook, that home field advantage is eventually kind of funny to say that eventually going to pay off. And I just think, I think USC's coasting too much and teams like that. Once they get hit, hit in the mouth, don't tend to react very well, but I am interested to see how the game is. Uh, speaking of teams that got hit in the mouth, Miami at North Carolina. Can you think of a more embarrassing way to lose than the hurricanes lost last week? There is no more embarrassing. Like, and so it's funny because they said it on the Levitard show this week. Uh, Dan said a couple times that the five guys they have in the studio could go and play offensive line or the, the bunch of people they had in the back could play the offensive positions for UM and could do it 2,000 times if they took the field with 39 seconds left and would win the game every time. I think we could do that too. I think that any group of people that know the game of football – can both coach the Hurricanes and play on the field for the Hurricanes and win that game 100% of the time. That's inexcusable. That is a fireable offense, and I hope and I pray that Miami wins every single game the rest of the season, and that play is what keeps them out of the playoffs. I hope they finish number five or number six in the country and win every single game and the ACC championship, and the only reason they don't make the playoffs is because... Uh, Mario Cristobal did not tell Tyler Van Dyke to knee. If I was Tyler Van Dyke, I don't care what play Mario Cristobal calls. I'm getting the ball and I'm taking a knee. If he wants to yell at me in the back, I'm going to say, coach, we won the game. There's another universe out there where he fumbled. You don't understand. Like that is inexcusable. And you know what? I know you haven't picked yet. And usually you pick then I pick. I think Notre Dame is going to, I mean, I'm sorry. I got excited there. I think North Carolina is going to beat the shit out of Miami this week. I said, I hope they win every other game, but I think they're going to run the ball down their throats. I think Drake may is going to have a big day. I think that Miami is now going to lose a couple games in a row here. They have a tough stretch coming up. And I think that that loss took a lot of wind out of their sails. So UNC by a couple scores, Mario Cristobal, like I said about Gus Malzahn, I'm just firing Florida coaches today. I think he should be fired too. Yeah. And funny thing is, is, you know, the exact same thing happened to him when he was at Oregon and they lost to Stanford the exact same way. What is they it? were fool up. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. That's shame on him. Shame on him. He deserves yep. to lose. Oh. Yep. Um, I actually agree with you. North Carolina is going to win. Mac Mac Brown is just a better coach. Drake May is starting to find his footing, and he's a better quarterback than Tyler Van Dyke. Amorian um, Hinton's just running like no one else's business right now. Seven touchdowns on the ground. North Carolina is probably the quietest five and O team I've ever seen. Even like it's either them or Louisville. So I looked at their record and I was like, how is this team ranked so low, and how weren't they ranked last week? But yeah, this is just a case where 
I just think North Carolina is better at every single level. So we agree with that one. Um, an interesting one in, is uh, UCLA at Oregon State. UCLA has the best freshman quarterback in the country and Dante Moore. Uh, did not think I'd be saying that in a year that Arch Manning is a freshman. UCLA is coming off of an upset win over Washington State. I just like this Oregon State team. They're coached by former starting quarterback in Jonathan Smith. He has made them a winner, which is very hard. I don't think people realize how hard it is to get talent up to Corvallis. I am not a big fan of Chip Kelly. Yes, his offense is flashy, but I feel that a team, any team that tries to go so fast all the time is usually poised to get beat. I think they make a lot of de- a lot of fairly stupid mistakes, and it's cost them in the past. I just think Oregon State is a be- better coach team, and with this being in Corvallis, I'm picking the Beavers by 14. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think this is a tough spot for UCLA. Um, Oregon State's coming home. I mean, they are a really physical team. Uh, UCLA is a team that I'm going to talk a lot about next season. Um, just like I said about Penn State earlier in the year, um, I think it's shown that they're about a year away. Uh, they should have possibly won that game at Utah. Um, I think Oregon State showed they're significantly better than Utah. Uh, I think Oregon State wins this game by a couple scores. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Okay, and on our wild card. I know Jordan gave me sh- gives me shit because I always end up picking a team that is a or a game that has a ten point spread. So I looked at the spreads this week. First time I've done that. Wow. And yeah, and I wanted to go with Mac and go with the Mac play, but the game I'm picking is actually from Conference USA, which is close enough. The spread is Georgia State minus one against Marshall. Both teams are four and one. Marshall's one and zero oh in conference. Georgia State's one and one. This actually has serious implications as they are both trailing James Madison in the standing. Uh, Marshall has Raheem Ali, who has nine rushing touchdowns. Georgia State has Marcus Carroll, who has nine as well. Marshall's defense, 18 sacks, eight interceptions. This is, like I said, a chance to play, to keep staying contentious to play for the champ- Conference USA title. Charles Huff is the head coach of Marshall. Remember that name. He is already linked with Michigan State. They have one loss on a year to NC State. They have already beaten Virginia Tech. So they can play with the big boys. This is a Thursday night game. And I think the Thundering Herd win by three going into the showdown against James Madison next weekend. Interesting. I think, uh, I hope some of our listeners take your advice on that one uh, and follow along and see how you do. Um, for me, I'm going to go to the Big 12. Um, like I said, I'm a UCF fan. Um, so last week, I got to watch this team up close and personal. Um, I'm going to pick Kansas at Oklahoma State. Um, I think Kansas is a very physical, physical football team. Uh, their only loss was to Texas, who is obviously um, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Oklahoma State's in a year of a rebuild. Um, they're just starting to find their quarterback. I know they had a comeback win last week. Um, I think Kansas... Uh, who is only a three-point favorite from what I saw, um, is, the, is the much better team. Uh, and I think Kansas wins the game at Oklahoma State by 11 points. And uh, Kansas, ironically enough, their coach Lance Leopold is another guy early on linked to the Michigan State job. Um, I don't think I want either of these guys taking that job if I'm a Michigan fan. But um, just to recap, pretty easy. We agree on everything except for one game. We both picked Washington. I picked Notre Dame. You picked USC. We both picked North Carolina. We both picked Oregon State. And for a wild card, I have Marshall and you have Kansas. Now we go to a new college segment, which we're probably going to do a little bit more of this as the season goes on. But we are going to talk about Top pot, top five draft picks for my for the Miami Dolphins currently for round one. Now I do want to preface to anybody who does not really follow the draft like Jordan and I do. It is pointless to be doing a mock draft this early because we still don't know where anybody's going to be until they test and until teams medical uh, experts can get a look. But it's still fun, and we are going based off a of Tankathon's ranking. Uh, which has us currently picking 29th. 
So you're not going to be seeing uh, either Jordan or I say Joe Alt is the top pick for the Dolphins because unless the season bottoms out, there's no way we're getting Joe Alt. Uh, Jordan, I know that you love the draft as much as I do, if not more. Why don't you start us off with this? Um, yeah, I'll give you uh, the five guys that I'm looking at right now. Um, obviously, like you said, it's early. Uh, some of these guys may end up out of our range. Some of these guys may un- end up dropping. Um, but these are guys right now uh, that I kind of have my eye on. Um, the first guy I'll mention, um, he's number five on my list of players I'd like the Dolphins to get right now. Um, I didn't realize until I looked um, when you just said Tankathon, I looked. Um, this is actually the guy that Tankathon has us picking. Um, it's Graham Barton. He's an offensive lineman from Duke. Um, he's a guy, when he was growing up, he played seven different positions. Um, he's a guy that's very versatile. Um, I think you know that Austin Jackson's going to be right tackle. I think you know uh, that Robert Hunt's going to be right guard. Um, but I think the left side of the offensive line uh, is going to be redone over the next couple of years. I think it's like when you look at a nice house and you're looking at the house and you're trying to figure out when you're going to redo things. Uh, I think Graham Barton uh, allows you a little bit of versatility. I think you could play him at left tackle. I think you could play him at left guard. Um, and I think you can move him to the right side if need be. Um, I think early on in his career, if if Armstead is still sticking around, uh, Barton can be a swing tackle kind of guy, um, a guy you can bring into a, and be a sixth offensive lineman if need be. Um, but Graham Barton, I think, would be a really good fit for the Dolphins um, late that late in the first round. Uh, the second guy, I hope I say his name right, is Jerzon Newton. Uh, he's a defensive tackle from Illinois. Um, Jerzon, the the thing I read, I read three or four different things about him. Um, and what I kept seeing is that he has very strong hands, that he's a physical run defender. And the Dolphins, again, are going to have to make some decisions on the defensive line. They just re-signed Zach Sealer. They're talking about re-signing or maybe under the table have re-signed Christian Wilkins. And I think that they're going to have to make a decision on a guy like Raekwon Davis soon. Um, I think it is also weird that we only have really three down linemen that we feel comfortable playing. Um, So I think looking for a guy that can play interior defensive line and is specifically a run defender um, is going to be a huge need for the Dolphins. Um, So I think Jerzon Newton um, from a physical Brent Bielema defense um, is going to be somebody that the Dolphins are going to look at. Uh, The third guy I have um, who I think is going to be a very popular name uh, when you start seeing uh, mock drafts for the Dolphins uh, is Barrett Carter. Um, Barrett Carter's a linebacker from Clemson. He is a very fast linebacker. Um, he's a guy that flies around the field. And again, what I keep reading about him and what's going to be a common theme for the Dolphins is that he's a good receiver in coverage. He looks fluid in coverage. He looks like he's able to cover tight ends to cover running backs. Um, and I think that that's a huge need for the next step of the Dolphins defense. Um, so that's, and the Dolphins obviously in this kind of Last couple years, it looks like they like guys from bigger schools early. Um, So I think a linebacker from Clemson fits that a lot. We get to my top two. Um, I'm selfish when it comes to first-round picks. I like playmakers. Um, And when I look at the Dolphins, they don't need many playmakers. Um, But Jatavian Sanders from Texas, uh, a six foot four, two 241-pound, former five-star, played defensive end in high school. Um, So you know he's physical. You know he's willing to hit. Uh, I think that he is the type of guy that you can play in this offense. We see we play Durham Smythe a lot of snaps and a very high percentage of snaps. So I think having a guy that can both block and make catches, I mean, this guy is not small. Like I said, he's 6'4", 220, or 240, um, and he can catch the ball. He can run. Uh, he's fast. Uh, and I think he's the type of guy that the Dolphins are going to target. It doesn't seem like... Uh, we're targeting a tight end that high. Um, it didn't look like we prioritized that last year, um, but I think it's going to be a little different coming into this this next offseason. I think Julian Hill's a guy that you can keep around. Um, I think Durham Smythe's a piece you can keep around, but Jatavian Sanders would be another weapon for Tua um, and would be a guy that steps in right away into the rotation and makes a difference on offense. Um, and then the last guy I have, um, like I said, I think the Dolphins are going to need some help on the defensive line. Uh, Mason Smith from LSU. Um, he is a big, physical, mean defensive tackle. Um, and I think that this defense, when you look at it, I feel like we're small. 
Um, I, I know the guys aren't small, but when I look at the defense against offensive lines, um, against guys going through, um, I think we are relatively on the smaller side of defensive lines. Um, Mason Smith, 6'6", 310. He's not. I like the 340-pound nose tackles if we're going to play a true 3-4. Um, but I think that Mason Smith is a guy that we'll be able to use all across the defensive line um, that will be able to, again, be a guy that will help out in the run game, that will create a lot of disruption, um, and that will only elevate the play of a guy like Christian Wilkins or a guy like uh, Zach Sealer. So my five again, uh, Graham Barton, offensive line Duke, Jerzon Newton, defensive line Illinois, Barrett Carter, linebacker Clemson, Jatavian Sanders, tight end Texas, and Mason Smith, defensive tackle LSU. Yeah, that's a very nice list. Mason Smith was someone who almost made my list. Um, he does fit a lot of those measurables again i agree with you we need that true nose tackle a little taller than you like at that position and he is coming off of an acl tear from last year but he is someone i considered you and i do have very similar lists both in names and in position uh so number five i do have dratavian sanders who i've talked about a lot he did a very good good job previewing him we like as good as the offense is we are still missing production in the receiving game from the tight end. Durham Smythe has exceeded my expectations as a blocker. I've always been very critical of him as a blocker, but we need someone who can add a little more explosiveness to that position. I also think Sanders gives you a lot of flexibility that someone with Mike, like Mike McDaniels would love. Number four, I have Jack Sawyer, who is an edge rusher from Ohio State. Uh, as good as Andrew Van Ginkle's been this year, he is on a one-year deal. And he is playing to get a very, very nice contract. You and I have talked about this already a lot, Jordan. We have so many people we have to all re- to look into re-signing. We can't keep everybody. Unfortunately, I think Van Ginkle might be someone we do have to sacrifice. Don't like saying it, but if you can pick, keep him or Connor Williams and Robert Hunt, I'm unfort- I'm going with the offensive lineman. But Jack Sawyer adds athleticism to defense. Bradley Chubb has not been bad this year. He hasn't been what we've paid for, which is an issue. And Jalen Phillips has been in and out of the lineup. But you can never have enough pass rushers. Number three, I went as a homer pick and took Chris Jenkins Jr., defensive lineman out of Michigan. He is nicknamed the Mutant. He plays both DN in the 3-4 and a nose tackle. He is very strong. He has athleticism to match Aiden Hutchinson, who was the second overall pick as a defensive end. He does have the pedigree to play in the NFL. And like you said, we, ha- we have Steeler under contract now. We may or may not have Wilkins. Davis is going to be a free agent this year. I don't think anybody... So I honestly don't think outside of Sanders and maybe Brandon Pilly, we have a defensive lineman under contract next year. So we still want to look at that and getting someone of Jenkins' pedigree is going to be very appealing. I have Graham Barton number two, which is funny. We talked about Tankathon. I think I looked at three or four different mock drafts, drafts and all of them have us taking Barton. Very versatile offensive lineman. Reminds me a lot of Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern that went in the first round to Tennessee last year. We have two offensive linemen under contract right now, Armstead and Eichenberg. I think we're going to resign one or two of the guys. We need someone else, and Barton is going to be a steal late in round one. And number one, you picked one Clemson linebacker. I'm making the other one. I took Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Again, love the pedigree, playmaker, reads the game well, shoots the gap well. I think he adds the playmaking ability that we desperately need at the second level. So again, my five are Travian Sanders, tight end Texas, Jack Sawyer, pass rusher, Ohio State, Chris Jenkins, defensive tackle, Michigan, Graham Barton, offensive lineman, Duke, and Jeremiah Trotter, Jr., linebacker from Clemson. Very nice. I think we like that Clemson linebacking court. Yeah. Well, it's funny because if you look at any linebacking rankings, those two Clemson linebackers are consensus one and two. It just depends on which one you like more. And I would honestly take either of them at this point in our defense. I would take him on our defense right now. 
Yeah, I'll be honest. I ha- I've watched a lot, a-, a bit more of Graham Barton, but I'm shocked to see how many people are just in the um, experts are slotting him right into the Dolphins. But I do like that, especially because we do see how much uh, Mike McDaniel j- just like he doesn't really dra- look at position for the offensive line. He just says we're getting the five guys, the five best out there. It doesn't matter what they play. Connor Williams never snapped a football until last year. So who knows? Maybe Barton would be. Connor's replacement at center next year. Yeah, could be very, very interesting. Um, we have some NFL picks to make tonight, don't we? We do, and we actually did really well last week. Um, we went four and one, both of us. The only game we uh, we got wrong was the Ravens. Yeah, that that was a bad one, Lamar. But remember, according to Pro Football Focus, Lamar played a lot better than uh, than Tua did. Yeah, and he has a chance to uh, redeem himself because the first game I have on our list this week, I did that without even trying, um, is the Ravens versus the Titans. Um, I don't really have much to say about this game. It is two teams with decent rec- with uh, winning records, I believe. I did watch the Ravens last week against the Steelers. The Ravens were clearly the better team. I think they had nine drop passes. I don't know what the Titans are. Um, but I do know that it looks like Ryan Tannehill is cooked. He only has three touchdowns to three interceptions, so they're they're basically being carried more by King Henry this year than ever before. This is a London game, so strange things can happen, but I think the Ravens are going to be out for blood. They're going to be pissed off after losing to their hated rivals, and... John Harbaugh co teams when they're pissed off are out for blood. So I think the Ravens are going to win by three scores. Um, so this is actually a tougher game for me uh, because I do actually think the Titans are an underrated team. Um, I think Tannehill's cooked, but I think the rest of that football team um, is playoff caliber. And I think that's going to be a team that next year um, when they do get a different quarterback in there, if they are able to get somebody, um, that's not Malik Willis or Will Levis at this point. Uh, I think it's got to be somebody that's able to actually take them to the playoffs. I think they're a ready-to-win-now roster. Um, yeah, you talk about Derrick Henry, but Tajay Spears is also an unbelievable running back. Um, their receiving core is is good. Um, their tight end is underrated. Their offensive line has not been as bad, I don't think, um, as they were projected to be at the, the beginning of the year. And Mike Variable teams are always going to have good defenses. Um, so I think that's a team that's ready to win. Um, I think they just need a different quarterback. But I'm going to pick the Ravens. I think that the Ravens, um, yeah, like you said, are, are going to be a little pissed off after last week. Um, the, the key to the Ravens this year so far has been health. Um, when they've had guys that have played, uh, it seems like they win games. When they have guys out, it seems like they lose games. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Ravens. Um, I'm going to pick the Ravens closer than people think. Um, you said three scores. I'm going to say they win by nine. Um, they'll find a way to win by nine because Tucker's going to kick a bunch of field goals. Um, I think they win by nine, but I think that this game, uh, for most of the game, is a uh, uh, back and forth, low scoring, one score game. Okay. And then we move on to the Seattle Seahawks versus Cincinnati Bengals. Jordan, I got I already got tired of hearing about how the Bengals are back. They played the Arizona Cardinals, a well-coached team, but a team that is clearly tanking. And it was close for most of the game still, so I don't really think they're back. Don't really know what's going on with T. Higgins. Yes, he's, I think he's out hurt, but he's also trying to get that new contract, which, uh, spoilers, he's not getting. Seahawks have been dealing with some injuries, too. They're getting healthy. They're coming off of a bye. Kareem Walker, his last game was insane. Almost single-handedly won me fantasy that week. I got the Seahawks winning by two touchdowns. I just think they've been the more consistent of the two teams. I don't buy that the Bengals are back. I think the Bengals could get, get something going. But I just think the Seahawks just... I don't see an advantage the Bengals have over them outside of cornerback. And unfortunately, with a hurt Joe Bur- Burrows going up against a very stacked defense, I can't say it's enough to make the difference. 
We have a new addition to the list of missaid names by Brett. Um, can you tell me, got? Brett? Can, can you tell me who this Kareem Walker guy that you have on your fantasy football team is? Give me a break. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm just adding it to our it's- other list um, of missaid names. Oh, Kenneth uh, Walker. Kareem Walker is actually a former uh, Michigan running back who went to Mississippi State. It's funny that the names you get wrong are always either uh, missaid Dolphins or missaid Michigan players. Yeah, you can tell where my where my brain is at, but I'm also blaming it on being sick still. Okay, fair. Um, so in this game, uh, I I think the Seahawks are going to win the game. Uh, I think that the Bengals, this is going to be a tough year. I said, uh, I think last week or the week before that, I think this is Zach Taylor's last year um, in Cincinnati. Uh, I also think um, you mentioned them not re-signing T. Higgins. I think they won't re-sign T. Higgins. Um, a name to look for for me for the Bengals is Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think being able to re-team with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, um, that opportunity I think is going to be whispered about and talked about. Um, and I think that's something they're going to attempt to do. Uh, if the Bengals, the Bengals don't usually pay people, so um, if they're able to make it work, we'll see. Um, but I think that's going to be something the, the three of them at least look into doing. Um, so I think that the Bengals um, are in a position where they're a couple bad losses away from kind of the wheels falling off. Um, and I think this is going to be one of them. I think Kenneth Walker is going to roll all over him. Um, I think Geno Smith is still a little underrated and is not going to make many mistakes. Um, they're, what, 3-1 and one right now? Um, I think they get to 4-1 and one here. Um, and I don't think that the San Francisco game is really a good representation of who this team is. Um, I think they're better than that, and I think they win against Cincinnati. Yeah, no, nah, that's, that's – yeah, I, I agree with you. There's nothing else really to add there. And we're moving on to the Niners – San Francisco 49ers versus the Cleveland Browns. Arguably the two best defenses in the league. Um, I'm going 49ers because while both teams have a great defense, the Niners also have a very good offense where Cleveland is still kind of struggling to find their footing, especially since Nick Chubb got hurt. I don't know how reliable it is, but I've heard, I saw on Twitter today that there are some rumors that P.J. Walker could be starting at quarterback this week for Cleveland. Again, I don't know for sure or not, but we do know that Deshaun is dealing with some injuries. Um, I think the Browns defense is good enough to keep the game close. Again, Miles Garrett and Grant Delpit are playing out of their mind right now. Both of them are. But in the end, I think it's one of those games where it's close for three quarters and then the fourth quarter becomes a blowout with the 49ers winning. Uh, yeah, I don't think that this game is going to be relatively close. Um, I think that the 49ers are the much, much better football team. Uh, I think that there's not much to say. I think they're just much further along. Um, I think the Browns are not a bad football team, um, but I don't think they're going to be able to step in the way of what the 49ers are doing right now. They're one of the best teams in the league, and I think they're going to continue to be one of the best teams in the league until they're actually challenged um, by an opponent. Now, the Browns have the kind of uh, game style, physical running the ball, um, even though they don't have Nick Chubb. Um, they have the kind of game plan uh, available to them to compete with San Fran and kind of stretch out the game um, and, and really make the clock go a little quicker um, and take a lot of time off and make it a less possession game. Um, but I think the 49ers still win. Yeah. Again, yeah, it just feels like um, this week for the for the NFL picks, it's such a weird week. Not a lot of interesting games. We're agreeing on everything here. I have a feeling we'll agree on this next one, too. I did Detroit Lions versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have the Lions winning. Aiden Hutchinson, one of my Michigan boys, have to give him some love. If it weren't for TJ Watt and Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa, you could argue that Aiden Hutchinson would be the favorite for defensive player of the year. He's just having that kind of impact on that defense. Uh, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who is a former Miami Dolphin assistant, is more than likely going to be a head coach next year. Very, very intelligent young offensive coordinator. Comes up with some very good schemes. 
I think I saw they'll be without Amon Ross St. Brown this week, which could hurt a bit. And Tampa is overachieving right now. Uh, sorry about that. Just had a little fuzzy and had my stuff fall off the bed, so I had to go pick it up real quick. But uh, as much as I like what Tampa's doing, I'm happy to see Baker Mayfield playing like the Baker I loved as a as a prospect. I just don't think it's enough. I just I think they're still re- rebuilding, still a year away from competing with the team, and the Niners are just buying into Dan, or the Lions, excuse me, are buying into Dan Campbell's uh, message. So I think the Lions by 17. So. Well, first of all, let's be clear about something before I say what I'm going to say. I had lines written down on my uh, sheet here, um, but I can't allow us to agree on every single game. Um, and yeah. then I started looking. I, I started looking at this, and uh, Tampa won at Minnesota, which doesn't seem as impressive now. Um, but Minnesota, um, that that was a impressive win for Tampa in the beginning of the season. They beat the Bucks like or they beat the Bears like they should have. That game was closer than the or the further away than the score shows. Um they lost to Philly. Everybody loses to Philly. Um and then they pretty much dominated New Orleans at New Orleans. Um now they come home, they're three and one, four o'clock game, Detroit coming down to the humidity of Florida. Not like South Florida, but it's I mean, it's Tampa. Um, Detroit coming down to the South. I think there'll be a lot of Lions fans there, um, but I think the Bucks fans will be excited to win this game. Um, excuse me. The Bucks have a very good opportunity um, to compete in their division. Um, they're, I mean, on top of their division right now, and they have the ability to pull away in their division and really take a stranglehold. If they move the four and one, um, they play Atlanta next week. Um, then they play at Buffalo, which is a tough game. But I think if they can win this Detroit game and this Atlanta game, um, they can be looked at, and, and this would be huge for Baker Mayfield's career. Um, so I think it's a game the Bucks win. Um, I think it's a game that the Bucks win uh, with a late field goal and and win at the end of the game. And speaking of the Bucks, I just know last year uh, their running back Rashad, uh, Rashad White out of Arizona State is someone that Mike McDaniel really wanted, and he is the guy. There was rumored that when someone traded up for a player, he fell out, almost fell out of his chair, that that's the guy. Can you imagine what a difference it would have been if we drafted Rashad White last year and didn't draft A-Chan this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I still would have rather had A-Chan, but um, that would have been a good move, but I think the Dolphins are much better off. Yeah, and uh, before we get to the Dolphins game, just because I brought up A-Chan, uh, for those who didn't see uh, HN was put on IR this week. Uh, real quick, Jordan, I, for your opinion as well, I just think it's the case of Mike McDaniel uh, taking the stance that if it's if it's even a minor injury, we're just going to rest it until he's healed and be ready for the for the uh, home stretch. I think they just want everybody as healthy as possible. So I just think it's just precautionary. I don't. Th- no one really seems too worried about it around the Dolphins. No, I, I think that it's very precautionary. Um, I think that the Dolphins learned their lesson last year um, and are going to make sure that they go into the playoffs healthy. Um, I think that that's the goal the whole season. I think we know that we're good enough just on scheme alone and the amount of talent that this team has. We should really be able to make the playoffs. Um, we lose HN. We have Jeff Wilson coming back. Um, we have Ahmed coming back. Chris Brooks has looked really good. Um, so I think we... We have enough back there. Um, I think that, again, we talk about things like Tyreek Hill playing, what was it, 46% of the snaps last week. Um, I think when we talk, I think we're going to use the guys with purpose, um, but not overuse them in games that, in the long run, don't necessarily matter. I mean, we're, we're a really good football team. Um, and, I mean, we're going to continue to be a good football team. Um, but you don't want to derail a season uh, come playoff time over a guy that to play in a week eight game or a week 12 game. Um, it's not worth it. Uh, you need guys to shake off the rest or the rust, um, but you don't want them to overplay. And I think the Dolphins are doing yep. a great job right now managing that. Yep, and I believe it showed it how it, with the games HN would miss, he'd basically have five weeks off because right after that fourth week's to buy, so we could it wouldn't be an issue reintegrating him either. Um, and, of course, the other reason is we're playing Carolina this week. 
Jordan, I'll be honest. This is going to be a pretty boring game. I think. I think we're going to destroy them. I I put I wrote down forty two to ten, and just being honest, they do not have the guns either offensively or defensively to compete with us. I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Their offensive line isn't scary. They still don't have Brady Christensen. Um, Austin uh, Cobert, who they signed from the Rams last year, just started practicing. They don't have wide receivers that scare me. Miles Sanders is kind of scary as a running back. Brian Burns is kind of scary as a is scary as a pass rusher, as is Justin Houston, even at his age, and Derek Brown. But they don't have linebackers like in the middle. They don't have a good secondary right now. J.C. Hort is hurt. They're starting one of our uh, Flo's old special teams aces, Camus Cruiser Hill, at linebacker. This is going to be ugly. They do not have team speed. They are near one of a rebuild. Yeah, like I think I'm being kind by just putting this as a 42-10 get win for us. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and now I'm going to have to change my score a little bit. Um, we, we do have a pretty close score. Um, I think that uh, this week reminds me so much, and I said this on Twitter, um, this week reminds me so much of last week, uh, and I think the game and the score are going to be very similar. However, I think the Dolphins are going to focus on not making the same very simple mistakes that they made last week. Um, so I, I don't think the score will be much different. Um, I think the score will be um, better in the Dolphins' favor. Um, I have the Dolphins winning 44-16. to 16. Um, You can do the math and figure out how we get to 44 and how they get to 16. Um, but And if it's ever happened before, I love some scorigami. Um, but I have 44-16. to 16. Um, We'll call it, what, a touchdown, a field goal, and a go for two for the Panthers. Um, we'll call it six touchdowns and a safety for the Dolphins. Um, 44 Maybe Tommy Tremble will show us that we're haters and actually score a touchdown. So what's interesting is there are two guys. Um, one, I'm looking at Tommy Tremble um, to see if he's a guy that I can continue to talk shit about on this podcast. Um, all respect to Tommy Tremble, as we learned early in the show. Um, we take the feelings of players very seriously um, because they are – athletes but they're people too um but tommy tremble um is very liked by somebody that we love talking shit to here in the in the studio um so i'm hoping that tommy tremble has like a wide open drop down the middle of the field um and i'm also looking at, i'm also looking at frankie luvu who i tweeted out his name um, but didn't mention him on the show earlier in the week. And right after the show ended, I was really mad at myself for not. Um, he's a physical player with a real mean streak uh, that I think that could benefit uh, from playing on a playoff team. And I would like to see him um, in a big game. He takes up a lot of room in the middle of the field. Um, and I think he would add to the physicality of the Dolphins. So um, I'm interested to see a couple players on the Panthers just simply because um, they're a team that might be trying to trade a couple pieces and recoup a couple picks um, that they traded to Chicago. Um, so I'm interested to see them play, um, but I don't think the game's going to be pretty. I'll pick 44-16 Dolphins. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we should be disappointed if it's a three-point win for us. I, you, you always take wins in the NFL, but this is, again, a game that I'm like, with how our offense is playing, I just don't see how it's close, and I see it as a very good opportunity for our defense to keep trying to find their identity, um, which isn't bad, because um, we're going to need it going into Philly the next week. Yeah, I think they see this as a get-right game for Philly, and I think they don't. I don't think they see last week's game as, oh, we're that much better. We just, I, I think we think we played like shit, um, and I think that we're going to kind of turn it up a notch this week. Um, getting prepared for next week's game. I would be, I'll be worried come Monday's show if we don't win this game very comfortably. Yep. Yep. And just to uh, do the recap, we both picked the Ravens to beat the Titans. We both picked the Seahawks over the Bengals. We both picked the Niners over the Browns. I picked Detroit to beat Tampa, and you picked Tampa. And of course, we both picked the Dolphins. Now it is that time of the show where we add someone to the list. I do have someone. It's a little different. But Jordan, I wanted I have, to ask, do you have anybody first? 
So what's interesting is I have someone and it's a little different. Okay, well, you go uh, first. <laughs> so this is not going to be um, funny or interesting or anything for anybody other than the people that are in the discord with us. Um, but since yesterday, I've been thinking about this and have been wanting to do this. Um, now we're in a dolphins discord uh, and I'm going to kind of peel back behind the curtain a little bit and let the people into what we're doing. Um, we're on obviously Finn heaven, which is the largest dolphins forum that exists. Um, we love Finn heaven. I mean, we think everybody should be on Finn heaven. Um, so we're on Finn heaven, but, but some of us are also in, um, a separate discord channel. Um, and in this Discord channel, it is a Miami Dolphins Discord channel, so you would expect everybody in there to be supporting the Miami Dolphins. Okay? So, last night I was on the Discord channel, like I usually am for a little while before I fall asleep, seeing what people are saying about the Dolphins, and there was somebody on there. His name is Jay. And this man, or boy, um, was really posting screenshots of games where Josh Allen dominated Tua. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting worked up talking about Jay. He's saying he speaks facts. He doesn't talk bullshit. He posts games where even though the Dolphins won, the Bills dominated them. Um, and this dude, let's be clear, is a Buffalo Sabres fan and has a Buffalo Sabres logo in a Miami Dolphins Discord. If that doesn't scream closeted Bills fan, I don't know what does. He's posting one in five, okay? He, he's saying that he loves Marino and he's been a Dolphins fan, but I see right through this bullshit. I think, Jay, I think you, your jig is up, okay? I think that you either need to de denounce the Buffalo Sabres and become a Florida Panthers fan, or you should become a Buffalo Bills fan. I think the time is up. It is time for you to make the decision. Jay, you have officially made another list. Oh, poor Jay. I like Jay, too. And it is Buffalo Sabres season just started. Hockey season started last night. Uh, shout out to my Panthers. Uh, not Panthers. Penguins losing in a humiliating fashion last night to the Blackhawks. Um, my member of the list is not. Directly related to the Dolphins, but to our opponents, the Carolina Panthers. As we all know, Carolina traded a lot of assets to get Bryce Young. One of which is including is a bona fide number one ride receiver in DJ Moore. Since drafting Young, the Panthers have made his weapons DJ Chark, who's never lived up to his potential, Terrace Mar Marshall, who's a bust, a cooked Adam Thielen, a very raw rookie in Jonathan Mingo, a big disappointment in LaVisca Chenault, signed old man Hayden Hurst, while also relying on a never-was-in-Ian Thomas, and also another was, never-was-in-Tommy-Tremble. They did try and get the offensive line fixed, but as we saw ourselves under Tua, just signing people doesn't always work. You have to have a vision. You have to get the fit right. So I am putting the GM of the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fitterer, on the list because I am seeing too much of what's going on to Bryce Young that happened to Tua with Brian Flores. And I will not stand pat and let any other fan base that I don't dislike go through the same thing with their quarterback. So Scott Fitterer, for committing war crimes against a franchise quarterback, you just made the list. That is interesting, and I, I appreciate you standing up for Bryce Young. Um, quarterbacks are people, too, um, and I think that they Bryce Young deserves better, uh, just like Tua deserved better as a young quarterback, who was given time to sit, unlike Liam Eikenberg. <laughs> yeah, but it is uh, time for us to sign off. You can all probably tell I am about to hack up a lung, and I don't think anybody wants to hear that actually happen. Jordan, before I sign us off, do you have anything you wanted to add? Um, I usually take this time to thank the show and say how fun I had. Um, and obviously, we do this show for entertainment. Um, I just wanted to kind of go off the cuff and off the uh, script a little bit um, and just give a shout-out to the people of Israel. 
Um, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, what they're going through right now is is horrible. As um, a member of the Jewish community, I just wish nothing, um, wish for nothing but peace for um, everybody in the world, not just the Middle East, um, not just Jews. I think everybody um, should and deserves peace, um, and I hope that this war um, comes to an end very soon. So that's I'm not well, I, I I don't think the attention should go anywhere else other than the people whose lives have been lost on both sides during this war. Well said. Remember, we are all human beings. We all bleed red, so can't forget that. And on that somewhat somber note, my name's Brett. He's Jordan. Zach's on the other end. This is the list, and remember, we are watching. Hit that music, Zach.